Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. I am Joe Gerbs Gerberry, and as you can already tell, we have a nice little intro. Uh, thanks to Mac Robinson of, uh, uh, he does a bunch of things. I, I'm actually not sure 100% where he wants to be credited, so I'm just going to thank him. Uh, I know him from Twitter, and uh, Matt uh, Derry actually gave us a uh, connection there for recording that. Um, guys, we are recording a baseball podcast on the first night of the NFL draft, which is, you know, on par for uh, for us. The Browns don't have a, uh, a pick, so it, it makes sense, right? We should be talking yeah. baseball right now. The NFL draft was tonight? I didn't even know. Right. Possibly. Who knows? Uh, yeah, Browns don't have the first round pick, so we figured exactly. why not why not fire this up? So Yeah. It's like the Browns aren't relying on a first round pick. We're not looking for a quarterback, so it's like eh, <laughs> who cares? It's Guardian right. season. Guardian season. Fantastic. We were on a seven game losing streak. So, uh, Mitch, Ethan, how are you guys doing? How are you? Uh, I, I actually uh, asked if I had it written down. How do you like the intro? Did you guys listen to it before the uh, podcast or no? I sent it to you, but uh, you can be honest and say that you didn't. It's fine. I'm going to be completely honest. For whatever reason on my end, I could not open the audio file that you sent me, and it was just <laughs> dead air in my ears when you played it at the start of this. So I will have to hear it tomorrow when the podcast Fantastic. goes live. That's good. Yeah, no. I've been avoiding my computer for hours now. Like it's either study or just avoid my computer. So I've been choosing to do that. No worries. That is fine. You know, it's fitting that uh, on a struggle bus with that because the uh, the guardians are on the struggle bus. As I mentioned, we are in the uh, midst of a seven game losing streak right now. Um, Today was a rough one out there. Uh, not not what you uh, not what you want to have on the um, ends of a right in the middle actually of a road trip. Um, there have been now only two games that the Guardians have scored two runs or more, um, more than two runs in this stretch. Um, guys, what is, what happened to the Guardians? Who broke the Guardians? What uh, what was the uh, any anybody have any feelings? Uh, Ethan, Mitch, any M Dog, any uh, anybody have any just uh, as to what actually uh, happened to this offense that seemed to be clicking and now uh, is not? Yeah, let's break this down a little bit. So it's not that any one pitcher or one game or one group of nasty fans in a Bronx outfield broke the guardians we've talked about it a lot as the team got off to a really hot start and they started showing some flashes that they have an identity and they're going to be this on-base powerhouse guys drawing walks stealing bases and just death by a thousand cuts type of offense not really trying to blast the ball out of the park but can surprise you with it when you know somebody like jose comes up with two runners on i think what we have seen as fans the last seven games is the absolute rock bottom 
of what the other side of the coin is to that style of offense. Everybody in the lineup just has gone stone cold. That's not named Jose Ramirez. And when there's nobody insulating him and no team is afraid of any of the other eight guys in your lineup, you pitch around Jose and you don't get any offense. Yeah. I mean, this is the problem with building a team around contact without power, right? Is if, you know, everyone's slumping, the occasional breakthrough is not a homer. It's not a two or three run homer. It's a, it's a single, right? Like single up the middle and, and a, hope for a hit and run you know right stringing together three consecutive singles is not easy when you're in a team-wide slump this is what that slump looks like um no i will say uh not only do they not hit for power uh but they are striking out quite a bit over the last week um over the last seven days not including today but starting yesterday uh they're at a 25.4 percent strikeout rate which is much higher than you'd expect coming from a team that relies so much on contact. Um, so that's no good. Um, and the BABIP is low too. And that's the other problem with relying on contact is, you know, every once in a while you string together uh, line drives right at guys or grounders right at infielders. And, you know, that's just as likely, if not more likely than stringing together three consecutive singles. Um so, so yeah, they, this is what the slump looks like for a contact hitting team. Like, I don't think it's going to continue to be this bad, but uh, I don't think ever, anyone could have, could have expected it to be roses the whole way through, right? This is what not roses looks like. <laughs> True. Significantly True. not roses right now. Not roses. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's especially bizarre. And I, I could have bought into this Angel series being a lot closer than it was given, you know, the Guardians pitching isn't quite there yet this year. I heard somebody on the broadcast said that, you know, this time through the rotation is about where these guys wanted to be exiting spring training just for the time that they lost. So I could have believed that this was a closer series based on the offense they were facing. I was not blown away by any of the Angels pitching. I, I think Lorenzen had a good game. His movement was tough to pick up on. Sandoval probably had the best showing of any of them, Sandoval but I was not... Awesome. Sorry, I just, have to, I just have to jump in to say, because I, um, in our Discord chat on the private side, uh, we were talking about potential winners or sleepers in the in the AL, and I and I mentioned the Angels, and I got doubted. Uh, Sandoval's awesome, man. No, I'm a, I'm a big Patrick Sandoval believer, but, you know, Shohei did not have his stuff. No. And you got, you got George Bite, is, Jose, a couple times. Yeah, and Reed Detmers is not the pitcher that the team made him look like today. He's going to be. He's only 22. He's a really young guy, and I believe in him too, but he's just not there yet. But the, he just stymied this offense completely today. Yeah, yeah. it was it was reminiscent of those couple of years where anytime they faced a rookie, the, the the first time out, they just seemed to be ice cold and uh, and – that's that's what this all felt like this year, which makes sense. These are it's a really young lineup with a lot of guys that are seeing major league pitchers for possibly the first time, yeah. let alone you know um, guys as good as as some of these pitchers. Um, is yeah. there anything to? I know the answer is probably no, but is there anything to Quan being a missing piece of this lineup? He missed this series with the Angels. 
uh, which forced them to move Ahmed uh, Rosario up to the two hole for the most part, mix and match um, mostly in that, in that, in that two spot. Um, but the, he was out for all four of these games. Um, Tito said uh, that it's looking like he's going to be okay for the Oakland series. Um, but that, that takes a, a good contact hitter away that takes a, that forces Rosario up and, kind of shortens that lineup the way that they the team had previously wanted to lengthen it is there anything with that um or is it just a little bit of random variance yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't say it was the missing piece right like the offense did not look good period i mean aside from the eighth and ninth innings of a non-competitive game yesterday the offense looked pretty darn bad I uh, don't think Quan is the difference there unless he somehow decided to start hitting for power. Right. Uh, not out of the realm of possibility, but, um, he, you know, Would not nice. he's done yet. So, I, yeah, I don't necessarily buy that. Um, you know, it's been a not a great series, not just from the hitting side, but I mean, Quantrill today did not look like he did not look good and he hasn't looked good all year. Um, I'm, I'm quite worried about Quantrill personally. He's not getting swings and misses. He's not getting strikeouts. Um, I think there, I think there's real reason to think that like by the end of the year, um, you know, Quantrill, I don't know if he keeps going at this pace, I'm worried about his spot in the rotation. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does, uh, it does bear out that, uh, we're just, they are just in the middle of a, a rut right now. So, Ethan, do you have any uh, I, feelings about Quan being missing uh, and, and the lineup at all, or, uh, or do you, would you want to just move on? I uh, so yeah, Quan. Uh, it, it's it's like a seventy thirty thing. Quan being the thirty percent part that the team is really missing. Because in front of Jose, if Straw and Quan get on, then you're less likely to pitch around Jose. You don't want to load the bases for anybody with nobody out. But at the same time, until Fran Meal, who I think is the 70% part and who was just absolutely abysmal this series, gets it going. He, he batted fifth and sixth, I think, in the mm-hmm. last two games of the series as he got worse and worse. But I mean, I think it was actually Meal's... sixth the last two. Yesterday yeah. and today was sixth, both, or both times, I believe. Fred Mill's total line for this four game series in LA in which he played all four games, he was over 14 with 10 strikeouts and one walk. That's some Bradley Zimmer spring training there. You've got to get Fred Mill going just to have the threat of him behind Jose. But right now, I don't think other teams are even worried about him making contact. No. Right. I mean, he's. I'm completely with you, Ethan. He is uh, so off right now. And, like, I don't know what you do if you are the Guardians, right? Like, you can't bench this guy, can you? I mean, you can't send him down the minor leagues. That's crazy. I mean, he had 40 homers. Um, So what do you do? Uh, It's really a tough situation that they're in. Um, And I have faith that it'll get solved. But, you know, in the meantime – you know, it's it's really tough to take that zero in the DH spot of all places. I mean, that Richie Palacios could be a DH. He's looking good. Josh Naylor could be a DH. He's looking good. But right now, the DH is a zero. Yeah, when you're not adding anything to the field, you know, you, you, Fran Mill has to produce 
in that the age spot to have any kind of help and it's it's just not happening and it's not mm-hmm. even it's not even that he's making productive outs it's it's swings and misses and looking as lost as anybody looking as lost as we would look at the plate so um is there anything to um Bodie had mentioned and this might have been our private side that the Yankees series seemed to be that they just were struggling to get the they were getting hits, getting on base. They were struggling to get that point across, the you know, the, the runs across. Um, but the Angels, it really felt like this. The off, they were struggling against these pitchers. Is there anything there? Is that just a little bit of variance, you guys? Or um, was there? Is there something that was a little bit more different with the Angels pitchers versus the Yankees ones? Ethan, you want to start us off? Yeah. The, the variance is real, and this is going to be kind of a very, very simplistic breakdown, not really diving into any advanced statistics here. The bottom line is that you have to score runs to win games. Guardians are 7-12 and 12 I have, so far. I have heard that. I have heard those statements. It, it's a rare thing that you don't really hear from the Ohio teams, but the Guardians are 7-12 and 12 so far. And there is a massive discrepancy between what they've done in their wins versus what they've done in their losses. So wins so far this season, the team is averaging almost 13 hits per game and scoring nine runs a game. Pretty good. In their 12 losses this season, the team is averaging just under six hits a game and scoring one and a half runs a game. Now, granted, that has skewed them to a 4.3 run per game total, which is a top 10 offense in baseball, but that's odd considering they've only scored four runs actually once this season. So they're either blowing the doors off of teams or getting nearly shut out. Yeah. I mean, there is something to the fact that they faced Shohei Otani, who didn't pitch all that well. But, you know, I, I think like, the problem with analyzing baseball in, in such uh, micro amounts, in such small amounts, is like, you know, is the Guardians offense bad because they're bad or because they faced Patrick Sandoval, who's good, or Garrett Cole, who's good, or the entire Yankees pitching staff, who's very good. Um, it's really, really tough, right? And it's like they were excellent uh, in the first week or two, and – it was it was wonderful, and we all kind of knew like they're not going to be scoring six and a half runs a game, right? Right. Um, these this last week, it's been the opposite. I mean, the BABIP has been down, the K rate has been up. Um, is this who they are? I don't think so. I I really don't. Um, they faced some good pitchers, and they've left some runners in scoring position in the Yankees series. That happens, um, and. You know, that's why they play six months of this. This is one week of six months. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of interesting, right? In football, until recently, there were there were 16 games in a season. In baseball, there were 162. So each baseball game is a tenth of a football game. Uh, each team has about 10 possessions, give or take, in a, in a football game. I could be wrong about that. Maybe Maybe 12, something like that. So each time to bat, or sorry, each game in baseball is essentially like a possession in football. We react so hard to these games, right. but in 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 the fact is, is there's so much, so much left. Um, it's been a tough, it's been a tough week. Um, it'll change. They'll they'll be good again. Um, 
the question is, you know, is Fran Mill going to continue to produce or is, or sorry, is he going to continue to struggle? Is he going to produce, um, you know, what's going to happen to Naylor? There's the stuff that we need to focus on because at the end of the day, right, this is not a competitive team. No one was like the guardians, like need to win. We need to start off strong to make the playoffs. This, that was not our expectation. Right. We want to see what these guys turn into. Uh, and we want Franmil to be a piece going forward, and this is really worrisome. Um, so let's all let's all think about that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that it's been this long. That's more so the worrisome. It, it's 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 fine if it's a week or two of a slump or something like that. But right. I mean, one home run on the season. He's hit a couple balls hard right at guys, but I mean, right. he's like his his he's looking rough. So Ethan, you got a point. Right. I cut you off. Yeah. No, I, I was just going to say that's the chord that we, the three of us being we, uh, have been and will continue to keep striking is that this is going to be a developmental year and there's always going to be positives right. to take away. You yeah. know, the, the super shallow dive that I've done into the offensive disparity isn't to say, like, this is what the team is going to be going forward. It's This is just further proof that Jose Ramirez cannot be the only thing that is powering your offense in a nine-man line. And Owen Miller. Oh, even Owen Miller. So I actually pulled his numbers too. In his first series back from COVID, he was three for 13 with four strikeouts and did not score or drive in a run. But that's not trying to take away from him. It was just proof that the entire lineup was very rough, just but there's still positives to be pulled away. I mean, you know, Austin Hedges had two hits today, including a, a home run. And I had an excuse to tweet out my Austin Hedges home run face screen cap from last season that I absolutely adore. Uh, Andres Jimenez, who didn't start today, is back hitting over 300 after a two-hit performance yesterday. So there's little things to like that you can still see coming together. It's just they have to find a way to string those. You know, Palacios has four hits in his first two games, and Jimenez is hitting relatively well. They have to string that together with the guys at the top of the order. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, like, at the end of the day, like this seven game losing streak, it's tough to watch. Like we want the guardians to win, obviously, but like I was saying, no one was like, Oh, this team has a chance to challenge the white Sox for the AL central title. No one was saying that no one thought that. Right. Um, and so a seven game losing, losing streak as frustrating as it is to watch, like at the end of the day, like what's the difference? Um, we are, we knew this year was about, you know, is Andre Jimenez going to take the next step? Is, uh, you know, Framiel Reyes a, a real piece of this core? How about Josh Naylor? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that is a good point, Ethan. The White Sox. Are <laughs> I not. wanted to mention, I wanted to bring up your, your, uh, your, your milk take from earlier in the year, but I, I was waiting on that one. <laughs> Ethan no, had posted that the White Sox might not challenge the White Sox for the AL Central, and uh, yeah, that Mitch had earlier in the year said that they uh, felt that they he felt as though the White Sox were a gallon of milk that was ready to expire. And it was a, uh, it, was a it was a carton of fresh whole milk, is what there you the, go. The, yeah, it's delicious right now, but like mm, if it doesn't happen soon, like it might go bad. I don't know. And every every injury and every instance that has come up, it has uh, 
that has grown right. literally one day, the it's it's one the, day closer to that expiration date. Right. The uh the coagulation in the milk of the white uh, socks has, has gotten worse. So <laughs> sorry, I completely cut you off from your point. Go ahead and finish up. No, no, no. The point is simply that like a seven game losing streak sucks. As a fan, it sucks. Like I hated watching these games. But like this is not gonna be a ninety five win team this year. This is right. about um, finding the next pieces for that 95 win team next year or two years from now, right? That's the goal. Um, so they lose seven games in a row. It's short-term annoying, but long-term it's like, eh, you know? It's like I'd much rather them lose seven in a row where we learn something about this team, where we learn something about the pitching, we learn something about Andres Jimenez. I mean, this this man, Andres Jimenez, has done nothing but field the ball well. He's looked smooth. Yeah. Uh, he's actually hit the ball well, too. Um, and he still can't buy an everyday spot in the lineup. I mean, right. you know, if if Andres Jimenez played all seven of these games and they lost all seven, but he looked how he looked, you know, that's pretty good. So I'm more frustrated by the fact that he's not playing than I am with them losing, weirdly. The way the team has played, and you you struck a major chord with me too, and I, I was getting on about this in our private side Discord earlier. Even if he can't hit that well against lefties, he's a career 212-ish hitter against lefties, but he's he's 23. He'll figure it out. Let him have those at-bats. He's got but the tools. His, but his defense is so much more valuable to you in the field the way this Guardians defense has started the season. It's, it's absolutely ludicrous that you would rather – I mean – Quantrill and Owen Miller combined for the two bad ones today on Thursday, but right. I've seen enough of Ahmed Rosario throwing a baseball across the diamond. <laughs> uh, it's just, I, I'm, I'm over it. Put him at DH. Now, um, to your point, he though, can't hit either. <laughs> um, to your, to your point, and, the, and we'll wrap up and move on uh, after this. But um, one thing I've, I've made mention of in the past because this team has been in contention in years previous, they haven't been able to give this development time to these players. And so we've, we've seen Bradley Zimmer and Oscar Mercado basically vanish because they weren't able to have any development against major league hitters, major league pitchers with the big club because they, the team was so stars and scrubby that they needed to have production from those spots. So they were forced to have, you know, to, to move them around and, and try for other things and, and hope for something. And, and now we're actually seeing them give these guys right. a, a shake. And so it, it, to, to your point of the seven games, looking for things that are positive, this may allow friend mill to, work through some of these things there may not be you know and it, right now we're not seeing it but you know owen miller actually being able to struggle as opposed to last year where he came up struggled and then was immediately sent back down because they were in contention and they didn't yeah. have time to burn his at bats yeah no i'm really fascinated by that point it's like i think people have been so frustrated with bradley zimmer and oscar mercado to a lesser extent Right. Um, but that's such a good point that, you know, when you're in contention trying to win, um, you're not going to experiment with guys who are high variance. You're going to play 
okay, we're a Stars and Scrubs lineup. Right. We have this defensive outfielder who's very strong defensively, and he can't hit, but, like, hey, like, we know what he is, and he's not going to be, like, a net negative. So let's throw him out there. Versus now where it's, like, they're not contending. There is no point in playing a guy whose ceiling is a very flawed player. So, like, time to get rid of Bradley Zimmer. He served a purpose, and I think – I think that's something that a lot of people sleep on is, uh, you know, he, he is a major league player, like unless he continues to strike out at his spring training levels, but, but he's likely a major league player. He just, is he getting any run in Toronto? I haven't actually checked up on him at all. Was he on Toronto? I thought he was on uh, Milwaukee. Who went to Milwaukee? Yeah, I thought Zimmer I went to Toronto. Zimmer's with Toronto. He's filling in okay. some, uh, somebody's injured with the right. Blue Jays. He's, he's there now. He's been he's been dreadful. That's about right. Shocker. That's what yeah. we can. That's what we all figured. So yeah, negative two WRC plus. Fantastic. <laughs> um, okay, we've moved. We've we've been on the struggle bus with the offense enough. So let's move on. Um, coming up on May second. So once the uh, Guardians come back home, um. Major League Baseball is going to start all of, all 30 teams are going to have to move their rosters from 28 players to 26 players. That means obviously two are going to be missing. Um, who uh, on this roster as it stands um, is going to get the axe? And, they, and these players, uh, obviously you can send someone like an Ernie Clement or Nolan Miller that have options. You can send them back down to the minors. But there are there's there's a lot of chaff on this roster that we keep talking about with Bradley and um, Yu Chang and Logan Allen. Um, who who is the uh, the guys that are probably going to get designated for assignment, DFA'd, however you want to say it? Who's who's getting the cut? Ethan, do you want to? Who's your first one out of the door to uh, cut down from uh, twenty eight to twenty six? I'm going to preface this with we uh, saw a tweet from our very own uh, Dairy Bros earlier before yes. the podcast started. Yes, TD, that... TD, um, TD Dairy did tweet out and um, that uh, – go ahead. You can you, – I, I, there's no reason for me to cut you off and tell you what the tweet is. You have it right there in front of you, I'm sure. It's all good. He said he was listening to the radio broadcast and uh, Cleveland's very own Tom Hamilton said something interesting that when the roster constricts on May 2nd, there's going to be a lot of new faces on the roster. So that sounds a bit more shuffling than just what we have been harping about the three of us for the season. Right. So yeah, that's surprising. The, that seemed, the yeah, three, it, it doesn't seem like just some cuts. It might seem like there's more than two out and guys coming at, back in. But Right. So if you think about who's in AAA and who needs to come up and get time and all of this, Tyler Freeman just came back from the IL this week and is starting with the Clippers. Yeah, but he's no not one... a major leaguer. He's not a major leaguer, right? We don't know that yet. Okay. I just right. Nolan Jones is uh, was updated on the 25th by Zach Meisel. He is uh, doing baseball activities and hitting out of the batting cages. He should be joining the Clippers probably within the next week or two, I would assume, based on that timeline. So those two guys need a chance. Uh, Gabriel Arias, who came up as the extra man for the doubleheader, would like to see some extended playing time. Both I would, as well as the team probably would. 
So that right there alone is enough to get rid of Bobby Bradley, Yu Chang, and Logan Allen. But I would also say that even then, I think Oscar Mercado's days are still numbered. Yeah, no, I think you're... I think you've hit all the guys that I think are pretty obvious candidates. You said Logie, Logan Allen, Bobby Bradley, Yu Chang, and Oscar Mercado. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that, that seems right to me. Uh, those are definitely the obvious guys. Uh, Yu Chang just hasn't been playing. He's been injured, unfortunately, and Bobby Bradley has been ineffective and not playing. But I'm, I'm really curious where they go from here. I, there aren't exactly guys on the 40 man who are banging down the door right now. I mean, Arias has been fine in AAA, not fantastic. Lavastida, I mean, Lavastida's not coming up. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised. Like, I, I genuinely don't know who they'd shuffle up for, for more guys. Now, yeah, I, mean, I will say, go ahead. I don't, I don't know how it would work. Um, it doesn't seem intuitive to me, but I am always looking for opportunities to trade Ahmed Rosario. Um, <laughs> You know, if guys are like we we talked about it right now, the Guardians aren't necessarily, you know, there aren't only two expendable guys in the roster. There's arguably four, right? Are there teams trying to to pare down their roster more than just these two guys? Is anyone is anyone needing a shortstop? Because maybe, uh, you know, just this, even if it's not all that related to the trade market, maybe there's something about the roster shuffle. That makes it more likely that someone can get traded. Um, I'm, you know, every day that Ahmed Rosario remains on this major league team is a day that I'm mildly frustrated by uh, the fact that they have, haven't traded him yet. Old man yelling at clouds. Yes. <laughs> I did want to mention. I did want to mention the possibility of the Ahmed Rosario trade because the way this team runs, you don't know about this stuff until it's happened already, mm -hmm. and that's both something that. I can appreciate, but it also endlessly frustrates me. So I would not be surprised if this team already has a trade in place for him, looking at, you know, maybe not a shortstop, but Atlanta just lost Eddie Rosario to eye surgery for an extended period of time. He technically plays left field, if you want yeah, to Yeah, but they that. also just got Ronald Acuna back. So they're fine. <laughs> hey, taking I mean, out Eddie, taking out Eddie potato, and putting potato. in Ronald is, uh, you know. You know, who's arguably been... Uh, if not Fran Mil Reyes, the worst player in the league this year, Dansby Swanson. Maybe they uh... – am I wrong about that? I might be completely wrong about that. I don't know. I haven't uh, I, I haven't checked up on Swanson. Right. I don't have I mean, one in any of my fantasy leagues. So. Dansby Swanson. Okay, he hasn't been the worst player in the league. He's been really bad, though. He's got a 61 WRC+. Plus. Not that they're looking for Ahmed Rosario. I don't know. I just felt like trashing Dancy Swanson for. I'm now. just saying there's they probably could pair up the Rosarios. We tried that. There. <laughs> we did. There's there's probably opportunities out there to make a trade like that. A team probably could use one. You never know when an injury is going to occur between now and May second, but it would not shock me if this team already had something in mind. Yeah. No. Okay. Just to defend myself, Dansby Swanson was one of the worst players in the league, and then today he went two for three with a homer. Well, so he he worked his way back up. That's what happened. Doing when your numbers are bad enough, it and any two for three is, it when one day it can help you out this, this early on. So let's um, hope that uh, let's hope that's in the cards for Fraunmail. Yes. Yes. Um, 
the only reason, the only pushback I'm going to give on any kind of trades coming in is to have a trade lined up for five days from now, four days from now, however long it might actually be. It just feels a little weird to have it ready that that uh, ahead of time when you don't when you have games to play now. Why not make the trade now? But I mean, you know, it, who who knows? It could be possible that uh, you know if they're if just thinking about it, they're looking at Murphy. It could be that they are Oakland's trying to pare down and they're, they are looking at prospects rather than major league guys. So if they're, you know, if the guardians end up trading Freeman and, you know, a, a pitcher and Bo Naylor and, and, you know, then uh, Cleveland gets Murphy DFA's Maley. And all you know, it it could there could be some shuffling there that would end up working out. But um, I see yeah, your point I, there. I'm, so let me rephrase what I said earlier. Sure. It's not necessarily that maybe the team you know has a trade in place and they're just sitting there waiting for the clock to strike midnight on you know May second and just press a button. It, they're probably things. talking to teams already yeah. if that's what's going to be the case. Hundred percent. Yeah, these guys don't ever. Um. Don't ever uh, stop talking. So, um. So yeah, I I agree. I agree with you guys that Bradley and um. I think honestly, Mercado is more in 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 a guy that's on his way out. He has fallen off a cliff. I the fact that um in the same tweet that uh TD mentioned, Chang is rehabbing in Akron. Um, that he's working back out and, and getting ready for, um, you know, he, I guess he took COVID a little bit harder than the rest of the guys. The fact that they are trying to rehab Chang and, and get him back up to speed. Obviously they're not, you know, completely cold hearted people in an organization, but to, to mention that he is rehabbing to cut him in four days seems a little unlikely to me, but um, you know, it's possible that he's on the cutting block because it Owen Miller and Clement have both stepped up to, to take over that role that uh, he kind of lets through his fingers when he got sick. So that um, might benefit them. Has he stepped up Clement? I don't know. He's been, he's been playing at least. He's been solid <laughs> as a defense. He's been, he's been, he's been solid. He, he, he hasn't been, he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been he's good. Been. Defensive there. wizard Ernie Clement, but it's, but to your point about Chang, how it might be cruel to cut him while he's rehabbing, you know he is out of options. But at the same time, the team might feel pretty comfortable putting a guy on the waiver wire who's recovering from COVID and rehabbing in Double A. Who's going to, to claim that? True. I have a feeling they value Yu Chang more than they value Ernie Clement. I mean, Yu Chang can actually hit for starters, like we've seen it, and yeah. Ernie Clement, we've. What? Uh, hey, we know. saw like he was hot for like a month and a half last year. Like he was legit hot. Like I actually got. An he was doing things. He was doing yeah. things last year. I got in an argument with a uh, you know WFNY alum Gage Will on Twitter uh, before the season started. We were discussing uh, Yu Chang versus Owen Miller. You can only pick one, and he was very Owen Miller, and I was very Yu Chang, and. You know, credit where credit due. The man was right. Owen Miller has looked awesome this year. Like, even if he's not going to continue at this pace, like, 
you can see how he's a major league hitter. Um, but Yu Chang was really excellent for a, for a month or so last year, and and uh, the power is real. And like, I don't know what Ernie Clement adds that he doesn't have. I mean, I guess he's a slightly better fielder, but like at the margins, like you'll take the guy who can like you know hit the ball around a bit uh, over the guy who's the slightly better fielder. I don't know. I, I, I think they value you, Chang, more than Ernie Clement, personally. I value so, him as an original guy. Who? Yu Chang or Ernie Clement? Yu Chang. I think when you have a, a super sub potential like Owen Miller, who's bad, I think, is just outright better and fits the profile of what this team wants to be, and yeah. you have all of these young guys who are going to pass Chang by the end of the season in terms of keeping them around, then I'm fine if you want to keep around in AAA and use them in emergency situations, but there's a spot for him on this team, on this 40. For sure. I'm just saying over Ernie Clement. <laughs> yeah. And also Clement does have options, I believe. So that's another thing that would keep him in the organization rather than Chang. So. Yeah, he does have two options left. Thank you for confirming. Um, Okay, so let's, we are done with the roster. Let's go to the pitching side. We've been on the we've covered the struggle bus offense. Let's go to the struggle caboose of the pitching. I guess I don't know what you want to call it here. Um, we uh, we have uh, coined a uh, a Plezak Island in our uh, WFNY Discord private side that uh, Andrew Schnicky is leading. Um, I wrote in the notes, uh, please, yeah. Zach Island got flooded last night. It, uh, it There was a bad storm that took down anything that was built up on that island. Yeah. Um, I'm, pretty what sure, is, I'm pretty sure Andrew was the only survivor. It, it, he's, he is out there like Tom Hanks with Wilson right now. It is <laughs> it is out. He is just lost. Yeah. So, he um, should come up with a better name for his, uh, for his volleyball than please, Zach. <laughs> Zach doesn't cut it. We don't know why he called him Zach, but he did. That's that's where we're at right now. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's not looking good for please Zach. Uh, Ethan, what what happened last night with uh, besides bad defensive play from please Zach himself, who is Jack actually a fairly decent athlete, and you expect a little bit better. Um, but what uh, what what was uh? wrong with please act last night and, and and is there hope for please act island is is there uh fortifications coming to push the water back or are we just better throwing a uh a life jacket to andrew out here please act is a rough case and i have made it known that i am not a fan of his but he's not really doing himself any favors this season not a lot of the guardians pitchers are i mean through a, a couple of starts so far this year, he's got a, a career low in strikeout rate. Uh, he averages striking out almost 19% of batters. He's at 13% so far this year, which is not ideal. Um, he's not getting swings and misses, which for a guy with a fastball changeup combo is kind of going to be your bread and butter when you don't really have a wipeout slider. He has a decent slider, not a great one. And Overall, I'm looking at his numbers right now. Yeah, he's he's down almost three miles an hour uh, on his fastball velo from his time as a rookie in 2019, where he averaged 94 miles an hour. He's averaging 91.1 one 
so far this year. And uh, almost all of his other pitches are close to in line with their VLO and their general usage stats for his career. So he's just the loss of VLO and not getting guys to whiff is killing him. Not to mention the absolutely abysmal defense that's been behind some of these pitchers uh, early in the season. Yeah. I mean, please. I got wrecked. He got just like absolutely wrecked in this game. Um, But the big thing is, um, it's the swings and misses, like you said. His velocity been down. Um, he's not – he's just not challenging hitters. I mean, like, if you're not nailing the corner, if you're not – like, we've seen the recipe for success for Plesak. It is a guy who's throwing harder than he currently is and a guy who is locating better than he currently is. Um, his slider yesterday was incredibly flat. Um, he – it's just hard to believe that this is the same guy uh, who during the, the 2020 season was just like, you know, stapling the corner with his slider and getting White Sox to flail at the pitch. Right. You know, this guy, I don't know. It's it's tough to see him. If he continues to pitch this poorly, it's tough to, to see him continue on the major league roster. It really is. Major league roster, not even a bullpen arm. I mean, we've been, that's – that's the the what we've long thought is that Plesak is a setup guy in the making, um, but to, not even uh, not even in the minors at this point. Or, well, I think okay, like I think they'd probably send him down to to rework his repertoire and his attack right. as a relief pitcher. Like, yeah, I'm not saying he can't be a major league reliever. Okay. Um, although it does depend if his velocity. Uh, jumps back up. I mean, if his velocity is still only like 91, 92 as as a reliever, maybe he's not even that. But if he can get it back up to 94, 95, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you touched on both of those there with Puizak. There's really two options. You can either send him down to AAA and let him work with the development staff. Maybe they can come up with some mechanic tweaks. Maybe they can shorten the arm delivery, do anything to add a little bit back. But the thing that is sticking to me that I, I don't think he would, you know, fit in the bullpen currently. We've talked about it a little bit with Eli Morgan, how in smaller sample sizes, his fastball velo spikes, which paired with his changeup, makes him an effective reliever in right. know, one inning, one and a third kind of stints. Plesak's not throwing much harder in the first than he is in the fifth. That velo is just gone. He's not starting like McKenzie is where he might touch right. 95 in the first and then be throwing 91 by the end of it. He's just flat. There's nothing to it. He's yeah. not the only one that's having Velo problems either. Is it? Is this a, I know Ethan, you had mentioned, um, I don't remember who you said wait, was the quote was, but this is where they wanted to be after to start the season out of spring training. Is there, is there something here that it's a, a, organization issue that they're that everybody's behind with velo i mean aside from tristan tristan's the only one that's staying up there um is is it an organization thing or is it a um something that you know these guys are just not uh that they're trying to it, we've had a bunch of pitching coaching coaches changes this year with uh everything 
I don't know. I'm just out here talking. Go yeah, ahead. I, I think aside from Bieber, who is somebody that I'm keeping a careful eye on after his shoulder surgery, as I've been waiting to see his VLO kind of go back up, and I'm starting to actually get a little bit concerned. But he's done enough with the other pitches to get swings and misses that he still looks like Shane Bieber. But, you know, there there is some small, small red flags creeping in there. But otherwise, this is definitely an organizational thing and something that's going on within this team there's been a lot of talk about the super unjuiced baseballs and how terrible it is for offense but on the flip side of that the average fastball velocity in major league baseball is 94 miles an hour for the first time in league history and plain and simple nobody besides tristan mckenzie on this guardian staff and that rotation is touching that and everybody but aaron savale is having significant velocity decreases to start the season that is true i will say um I think a lot of the reason the average fastball velocity is up is because uh, a higher percentage of innings are going to relievers than ever before uh, because guys aren't stretched out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> the facts are the facts. MLB fastball velocity is up and the Guardians pitchers fastball velocity is down. That doesn't exactly bode well. Um, hopefully, I mean... We can't know, right? Like in a week, it's possible that these guys' velocities do tick up to what we'd expect from the regular season velocities. Um, and we'll come back and we'll think about this moment and be like, eh, it was April in a shortened spring training. Like, of course, it was fine. Um, but then there's the possibility that it doesn't come back. And that's really worrisome. Um, I think the this, this, this saving grace, which I've said, with the offensive struggles too, is that we weren't expecting anything this year, right? Like, and there are really exciting prospects coming down. I mean, if Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie take steps, well, Shane Bieber stays himself. Tristan McKenzie takes a step forward, which it seems like he's, you know, right to do. Um, you know, we there are pieces coming up the pipeline now that there weren't last year. Um, it's not the end of the world. Um, but, you know, it'd be nice to see Savali or Plesak or Quantrill pick it up a little bit. Wouldn't be the worst thing for this franchise. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, but the problem is I don't even know who to bet on. Like, who, who do you think is going to be the guy of those three curves? Out of the three that are bouncing back? Savali, Plesak, and Quantrill. I have faith in Quantrill a little bit more yeah. than the other guys. I I have always I've long loved Savale, um, but uh, Quantrill's the guy that I think is actually um, he he could be. It looks like Tristan the, the has kind of solidified himself as number two. It looks like Quantrill, you know, could be the number three. I I, I just Savale is an innings eater of innings eaters, and at the at his best. And we're not seeing his best right now. Plezak is has is just not locating. He's not he's not getting the vela. We've we've covered it. We almost talked to the death at this point. But you know it, it's Quantrill's the Quantrill's the guy that I think is is has the ability to bounce back. Um, he can manage contact a little bit better than the other guys. Um, the defense behind him is more of an issue. Um, and, but we also have the, the, the team also has guys that are coming back up, you know, 
Arias has come is is on the way. Jimenez um, getting regular playing time. Those kind of things will help someone out like the uh, like Quantrill more than Plezak or Savale. So, but you, uh, anybody else have anything on the pitching, the major league pitching? Because we're I was going to go to the uh, to minors here. Do you have something, Ethan? Yeah, I'm really worried about Aaron Savale this season. I, I definitely have faith that Quantrill can bounce back and please act kind of up in the air because his issues are maybe not necessarily something that will come back. But Savale has completely flipped from what we expect of him as you know a ground ball pitcher, a guy who can generate some weak contact and rely on the defense behind him. This is a guy who, entering the season, had a 43% ground ball rate as a pitcher. It's under 26% this season. He's given up a career-high 54% fly ball rate, which, okay, you know, home runs and offense are at an all-time low in baseball to start the year, fine, whatever, but that's still not a great sign for Savale as a pitcher who's supposed to be this sinker baller, you know, off-speed kind of wizard to get people to beat the ball right into the ground, rely on the guys on the infield to do the work for him. So not only has he had terrible defense behind him, but... He's not doing what Aaron Savale has done in his major league career so far. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only hope is that it's been three games and like what we tell ourselves in the beginning of the season all the time, which is, yeah, I mean, his small sample ERA size is, and a prayer. Yeah, his ERA is nine fifty eight, but his stat cast ERA is four fifty three. That's right in line with career norms and. Yes, his FIP's up, but, you know, his ground ball rate's down. Maybe, uh, you know, that's just because it's been a small sample size. I mean, oh, I hope I hope he's all right. Like, I'm just trying to come up with some positives because you're absolutely right. He's looked really bad. Um, but, you know, maybe it's just the fact that it's three games. And he's, well, he's pitched against the Yankees once, right? I mean. Yeah, they're, they're a good offense. Uh, I don't know. It's three starts. We'll see what happens. I'm I'm worried too. I'm just trying to like stay positive. Yeah. Because like at the end of the day, like I've been saying it this whole podcast, like if they don't win 90 games, if they win 78 games, that's totally okay. Uh, that's what we expected. But it'd be more fun if they won more games, and it'd be less fun if they won fewer games. So let's hope Aaron Savali's okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and just for the uh, just for looking, I was I was looking at just ground ball percentage over the year, and obviously, you know, we say small sample size. Um, it's dropped six percent for the uh, the whole staff for Cleveland from last year that largely hasn't really, if anything, they've gotten healthier. You know, last year was such a, uh, a nightmare injury wise where we were counting on JC Mejia and Eli, you know, skinny Eli Morgan uh, to, uh, to innings eat. And, you know, we're down, the team is down 6% on ground ball percentage. It's 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 just weird, weird right now that with the offense drop that the league is seeing, 
that the team is having such a problem with ground balls that uh, and, and and getting ground balls and and keeping the ball in the yard, keeping the ball out of the air. You know, you'd think that they would be better at this. So I, I, I am, I have hope that it's just small sample size and that these things will work out as the pitchers get a little bit more work with against major league hitters. But um, yeah, it's, 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 it was said on Twitter that the team has one ace in Bieber and a lot of twos and threes, threes and fours starters. The, and that's, actually probably right it's not uh it's not the vaunted starting rotation that we were anticipating or that we've seen in the past um and it's looking more and more accurate so um let's move on to the minors uh because as mitch was uh mentioning there is a um there is hope on the uh on the horizon that maybe this uh, rotation has a chance of being good in the next couple of years. Um, in that, uh, if you are in the Akron area, you definitely need to make it out for a Daniel Espino game, make it out for a Logan T. Allen game, because these guys are battling for the best uh, organization arm right now down in Akron. Um, and they both have, I think, the same amount of strikeouts, correct? Um, I think that was a tweet that I saw earlier this week. Um, Daniel Espino went 11 straight uh, strikeouts. You guys, uh, and before giving up a home run, or he, he said 11, or it was 11 straight strikeouts. I'm not 100%. No, Mitch is nodding. So, yeah. 11 straight strikeouts. 11 straight, and he struck out 14. Fantastic. Yeah. So, um, Ethan, what do you think is the uh, timeline on these guys? I, I just want to give a little bit of a. Of a farm system update as we you know we have it now in the uh intro that we are also a uh touch on the farm system a little bit um is, is there any kind of idea that these guys are going to be up this year uh, or is it all next year this year is absolutely out of the question and this is going to be something to watch uh you know this coming off season after the slate of 162 was over with this is going to be the real test to see if this organization is committing to winning with Jose. They have a history of not adding guys until they absolutely have to, until that clock absolutely has to start. Both Daniel Espino and Logan Allen are not Rule 5 eligible until after next season. So it would be starting their clock early by everybody's standards in the Cleveland organization to get those guys up soon. And that would mean... This year's pick, this past year's pick, Gavin Williams, wouldn't be eligible until 2024 for the Rule 5 draft. So those are the guys that uh, I think a lot of people, ourselves included, think are going to be part of that next great Cleveland rotation. And the goal would be ideally to have those guys up and pitching well behind Bieber the tail end of his time with the Guardians. As Meisel has told us, you know, we fully expect him to test free agency when the time comes. So I think... Next year would be optimistic with the caveat that this isn't really something that the Cleveland organization does is call guys up before their service clock absolutely has to start. Yeah. I mean, there, you, 
Ethan's 100% correct about the top guys, Espino, Williams. These guys are not coming up this year. Uh, that's that's plainly clear at this point. Um, you know, the guys that we can look at for this year, maybe once he comes back from injury, Cody Morris or Peyton Battenfield, or we've already seen um, Pilkington this year, Tobias Miner, Myers, guys in AAA. Um, who, you know, could figure it out and be a future part of this team, but, like, could not. Could just be kind of up and down uh, spot starters, and 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 it wouldn't be the most surprising thing. Uh, one thing also to note, um, aside from Espino and Williams, um, and, you know, last year's breakout, Xavion Curry and Logan Allen, who's been really sharp this year, the Guardians in a 20 20- uh 20 round draft last year drafted 19 college pitchers 19 um you know and and shane bieber was not a a first three round pick college pitcher uh nor was zach plesak nor uh was aaron sabali i mean and yes none of these guys you know we're already looking at okay who might replace them uh but the point is is like there are probably you know more than one major league quality starting pitcher on among those players and 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 you can just spout off the names i mean tommy mace doug mckaysey uh trenton denholm uh davis sharp uh i forget his first name but boone is 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 looking really good dion will dion i mean and these are just guys off the top of my head who have made like you know five starts this year and and there are 19 of them i mean long term like this pitching staff is going to be fine. Um, and it's really exciting to follow these guys. I think uh, I, I urge everyone to, it's really easy just check the box scores every day. Minor league baseball website's really uh, strong. Um, Cause it is really exciting to see who's coming up, uh, coming up the pipeline. Do you have a favorite Ethan? Man, put me on the spot like that. I- so just to go off the beaten path a little bit, because I know everybody is riding Espino and, you know, he's a unicorn and his ceiling is so high. And yes, I love all of that, but I'm not going to continue to beat the dead horse. As he's pitched more and more, I've really come to like Logan T, who is this guy who just, he doesn't seem to have a lot of velocity, doesn't seem to have a lot of power to him but he's got a strange arm angle. He's a smaller dude. He's got some great deception and he just gets everybody to swing and miss. And he's proving pretty quickly that he's ready for the next level. He's better than the double a competition. That's for sure. And I personally, am going to be very excited as a man who was 15 minutes from Huntington park to see both of these guys pitch in a Columbus Clippers uniform this year. I guarantee that happens, but for those two guys to see the majors this season, I'll give you a little tease. Maybe, just maybe, if both of these guys make AAA by the All-Star break this year, and if for whatever reason in the last week of the season the Guardians are hampered with injuries and they have a COVID outbreak, then just maybe one of or both of these guys make a Kirk McCarty-esque appearance as yeah. one of the players off of the 40-man roster that can come up in the new COVID rules. Right. Or maybe it's or maybe it's looking like the winner of the AL Central wins 85 games and the Guardians right in the thick of it. Call up Daniel Espino coming out of the bullpen and see what happens. Get a little frisky there. That Look was, like a little Danny I mean, Salazar. That, right. I say that would be <laughs> if there is a, you know, 
best case scenario, I think that would maybe be it. But, you know, that would be starting the clock a little bit early. So Yeah, no doubt. I'm just saying the AL Central looks pretty stinky this year. Oh, like, yeah. Could happen. Could Like the winner of this set division could have 86 games. Like, and it might be the Twins at this rate. I mean, the Royal, it might be the Twins at this rate. The Royals lost Adalberto Mondesi for the season. The the White Sox are out uh, what, he, Eloy for the next 14 weeks, I think I saw. I think they're actually, actually going to have a real-life funeral for Eli. But um, unlike last year's uh, <laughs> jersey retirement that they had at the beginning of the year, Eloy uh, is, is not doing well, but... Yeah, yeah it's, the whole the it, whole division is rough. The Tigers are the Tigers. I, I mean, they're going to make steps this year, but like Cleveland, they're a very young team who's also going to be right. going through the the woes and the growth. Yeah, I mean, the White Sox. Uh, we've we've established this. They they don't have much depth. Um, they have that core in place, but you know, every fallen soldier for them is you know irreplaceable. It's right. uh, and the bullpen, which once looked so strong, you know, they traded uh, Craig Kimbrell and they promoted, or uh, um, what's his name, the guy they got from Boston, the guy with the long hair, Kopech. They promoted Kopech and mm-hmm. and Garrett Crochet is out with Tommy John surgery and Liam Hendricks is struggling. And guess what? The bullpen that looked pretty strong is now looking pretty fallible. I don't know. Um. Not that it matters in the grand scheme of things. I do think it's just funny in comparison how Fangraphs is still working through their top X amount of prospects for every team, and they're onto the AL Central now. And the Guardians had 40-plus players on that list that they wrote blurbs and and stat breakdowns about. And then a few days later, the White Sox list got published, and they were under 30. So if that speaks to their depth at all, that Fangraphs only gave them 28 prospects worth writing about in their mind when they did almost 50 for the guardians it just kind of speaks to how that farm system is doing and how they kind of sold their souls to be where they are now and they're 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 biting it yeah they uh they called up a lot of good guys and a lot of them worked out but i mean the rays call up a lot of good guys every year they've got a pretty good farm system still white sox farm right they have the, the rays have a churn they they are they're they're prepped for that so right they, but the Dodgers know. I mean all these teams right. have good cores full of homegrown players and the White Sox do too but yeah no their farm system's awful yeah okay um is there anybody else in the minors that is catching your eye or is are we gonna go to because uh, we're getting we're we've already hit our hour so um do you want to go to look ahead or do you have somebody else Ethan you had you reached your finger there for a second. I got one more, and I just want to touch on them really quickly, and it's not for any reason other than it's kind of helping potential trade value, but Bo Naylor might be back through 13 games. Uh, Again, grain of salt called a small sample size, but in 13 games with Akron, he's slashing 244, 358, 422, which is more in line with his normal numbers. He had a really abysmal year last year. He's got four extra base hits. He's drawn seven walks and he's stolen some bases. So given, you know, what the book is on him as a good defensive catcher, having a little bit of the bat come back, Guardians might have another trade chip. Deal him for Cake Murphy. I'll bring him up before Mitch does. <laughs> hey, I mean, whoever Oakland wants, they can have him. Just get a Sean Murphy. Basically, right. I'm not. I'm okay with that. So that's a conversation for another day because there are guys I will not give Oakland for Sean Murphy. <laughs> no, anyone they want. 
Speaking of Sean Murphy, uh, we uh, the team is heading to Oakland um, for a weekend series there before coming back home and having a day off finally. Um, so you know we can they can pick up Sean Murphy on the way home and then uh, bring him back to Cleveland uh, on on Tuesday. That's a, definitely a thing that could possibly happen. Who knows? Um, and then uh, the, they have the Padres and the Blue Jays finishing up uh, the week after that. It's only a two-game set. Um, there are rumors that it could be Mike Clevenger that actually is going to make his season debut for the Padres against the Guardians in Cleveland, which is a, a bunch of weirdness. But um, anything you're looking for for this weekend series against the Athletics, anything you're looking for next week, um, I think a day off will help these guys a lot. Getting back, Getting back home and having this rest they've been going you know every day for um almost two weeks now but um the a, a nice series of the athletics where you know they've pretty much bombed out their roster except for murphy and frankie montas i don't know who the uh projected starters are for um oakland but anything you guys are looking at there while i uh bring up the starting uh schedule here i am watching for two things in oakland and it's because i think we all deserve a little bit of fun there is a non-zero chance for two non-baseball things to happen this weekend while the team is in oakland there is a chance that the team general manager or one of their front office executives might fight a bay area radio host on the field at some point the way they've been going back and forth on twitter uh, these two have been apparently trying to schedule a charity debate live in the stadium during a game, which is bizarre, but it's mostly just so the radio host can yell at them about the terrible job they've done. But the game that I want to play and that I'm looking forward to, there is a very significant chance that the number of feral cats in Oakland Stadium might outnumber the fans in attendance, and I cannot wait to be watching the stadium view from the broadcast. <laughs> Yeah, no, the the feral cats might be a bigger draw to the stadium than the team. I mean, I mean, I kind of want to. I kind of was interested in this stadium. It's really enjoy like, that we know that there's feral cats in the Oakland Stadium. Imagine like a stadium where you go to the game and it's like there are cats everywhere. Like that'd be kind of fun, right? Like there are like shrines and parts of Greece and temples that are all about this. Just the, the cats are the draw. Oakland, you're I, onto something. Yeah, I think that'd be really fun. Like I, I think it'd be more fun than watching a team full of a. Uh, anonymous players that the that ownership is currently paying instead of all of their stars that they traded away hey, um, hey oakland i have an idea turn your stadium into a cat cafe come for some baseball get a latte adopt a cat go home. i mean yes yes that's, that's onto something that is billy, marketing genius right there billy bean call me <laughs> yeah um the thing to watch for this this weekend is the thing that there is always to watch for is Owen Miller going to keep hitting is Andres Jimenez going to get playing time uh is Ahmed Rosario going to stay at shortstop the whole time you he's know what's up with Stephen Kwan these are the well, things he's, we look well for. he's not going to play left field let's put it that way yeah and, no that's the case yeah um, um and I looked up these starters there is Frankie Montas um tomorrow on Friday against Aaron Zavale um and then Cole Irvin on Saturday, who's a lefty, which means that uh, Andres Jimenez probably won't play. Um, 
angry man shining a cloud. And then uh, Adam Aller on Sunday um, against Tristan is another righty. So um, if we're going strictly by the uh, battle-hardened Tito, Andres Jimenez cannot face a lefty starter for reasons unbeknownst to anybody. Um, it does look like there's only one game that he will be uh, missing. But um, that's the that's the lineup for this weekend. And then, like I said, uh, it's looking like Mackenzie Gore possibly um, on Tuesday. And then um, on. Nick Martinez on Wednesday against Cal Quantrill. Um, I watched both of those guys pitch the last two days. Gore dismantled the Reds, and Martinez was pretty middle of the road, but... In fairness, who doesn't dismantle the Reds? He's I was going to say, it doesn't, it's not hard to dismantle the Reds. Yeah. Well, Gore's still young, and there's been a lot of talk because he took so long to get here for various injury reasons that people didn't know no, he yeah, was going no, to yeah. pan out. No, but yeah. he, he dismantled Cincy sure. yesterday. So. All right. Was there anything else you guys wanted to cover while, uh, while we have you? Or uh, can I wrap this up? Yeah, no, I mean, hopefully they can end this losing streak, but, uh, you know, if they don't, they don't. <laughs> yeah, Play Jimenez every day. Yeah, Andres Jimenez needs to start. Uh, Ahmad Rosario needs off the roster. Go get cake while we're uh, while we're in Oakland. So, All right, for the WFMY corner cast for Ethan, for Mitch, I bid you all a good night. Take care. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains. We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting, and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show.